0: But uh, again, we're thankful for the different things that we're able to do. I do have notes. I have no idea how Edward has done that or whether that's available. I know even if I was able to get the notes at home, I probably wouldn't be able to to print them or what have you. So just praying towards a good solution to that this morning. Um, As you're at home, just press the pause button and go get another Bible. I think that would be about the easiest, have two Bibles on the go, and uh, that way you can just track, track with us as we, we go through James, uh, but it's directly connected with, let's say, Jesus' teachings. And if I was to just even step into it this morning, a lot of people approach James, and I think the, the easiest way I could describe it would be James is like a crossroads, I mean, you have a, a core truth in the book of James. Um, truth is, is as James is preaching and rebuking the leadership um, as he's writing these letters. Leaders that spent time with Christ knew knew the, the principles. I mean, whenever I think of instructions and commands, these apostles could see Jesus' face giving them. That's pretty intense, isn't it? But for all of us throughout the course of church history, we always approach the book of James from different perspectives, different presuppositions. Even if it's just the fact that I'm going to take this verse and preach a sermon series on it and completely remove it out of context. So James is like a, it has the core truth, but we have to be careful what way we approach the book. Um, even if you were looking for encouragement, which, which there's nothing wrong with that, but, I mean, James is a book of rebuke, right? I mean, he's calling people out for being dirty, filthy, rotten <laughs> sinners, right? And, and return to Christ. And that, that's something that can't be missed in this. So as I studied it, and I think we're, we're probably in month number four of this now, for me, I, I, I read, like as it talks about the Messianic teachings of Jesus, I have to find those teachings, I have to find those red letters. I have to find what Jesus spoke on that because James is, is speaking through the Holy Spirit for Christ here using his teachings. So that's kind of where, where we're going to be this morning. Uh, if I was to put a, a title on this, uh, it would be simply this Wake up! I saw a Southern, Southern Baptist or Southern uh, preacher there do that at a funeral, and Chris was like, You don't do that enough. Um, but that would be the title. Wake up! right? We are the church and we are called to rule for Christ. Rule ourselves, govern ourselves, judge ourselves for Christ but we're also supposed to be an impact to the world around us. In today's day and age, I I have some questions towards that. So this morning, just to get a run at this, I'd just like to step into verse 22 and we'll read down to... I'm just looking at our notes to verse 26, a couple words towards that, and we'll, we'll continue on. James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word. What word? The instructions, commands Christ gave. These are your red letters. These are your, your New Testament principles. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, there's no way you can get around it. Right, as you're, you're reading the words of Jesus, there's, there's not really any gray areas here. Do them. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. I don't think it takes that long. For these, these apostle ambassadors that walked with Jesus were 14 years later, and they'd already forgot the, the great things that, that Christ had been doing through them. Right? The things that they saw, the things that they experienced. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. now If nothing else in this study, I want you to think law of liberty. It's not Mosaic law. It's not anything like that. It is the teachings of Jesus. It's the messianic principles that he gave us to govern the apostles as they planted the churches in the book of Acts. It is the principles that lead our churches today. We just read them through Luke, right? That's what's supposed to govern our churches. And that is how we're supposed to to govern our lives and be separated from the world. So that's the law of liberty. So we do have instructions. We do have commands. We do have checklists that we can examine ourselves by. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, obedience, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Blessed in what he does. Almost sounds like those Beatitudes that we just read, right? Blessed be the man. Blessed is the poor. Blessed is the, he'll be blessed in what he does because he's serving Christ. To be blessed in what he does is because he's being used of Christ. To be blessed in what he does because it's not about this life. It's about being used for our future inheritance. As we stand before Christ and 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 we're we're facing that judgment seat and the furnace for our works, we're going to be able to say, You know what? Yes. I obeyed. Not perfectly, but as the Spirit led and I had these things to measure my life by, I sought to live faithfully. And that's going to be a a pleasant thing for many. It's going to be a miserable thing for many as well. Verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. just want to make some observations this morning. So if you put your finger in James and just turn back to Luke chapter 6 with me Luke chapter 6 just a, a finger in James and Luke chapter 6 this would be uh, what we would call textual observations um, just as you're working through it's like man I've, I've read that before right if, if we're looking at and James is, is pointing these apostle ambassadors back to what they heard Jesus teach well I should be able to find it right or at least they're close to it right so in, in Luke chapter 6, I'm thinking, James here, if anyone among you thinks he is religious, you know, all this would be speaking to leadership, if you think you're a mature believer, if you think that you're, you're a mature enough to, to teach, to, to, to lead, to I mean, fill in the blank here, and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. As I was reading through Jesus' teachings, the law of liberty, verse 27 and 28 come to mind. Right, when we think of mature believers, when we think of that, that idea of, 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 yes, I've got it figured out. I've got this, this religion. I've got this faithfulness thing figured out. Verse 27 of Luke chapter 6 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully you now if there's a, a place as i'm reading through the the sermon on the mount in matthew and here and then through some of the parables and jesus's teachings and i mean i've got it on paper this this one here stands out the most to me because what comes out of our mouth what comes off of our our tongues what what comes when our lips move is a reflection of our heart isn't it Right? And if you think that you're religious and yet when you're faced with, I'm going to say enemies or adversary, adversary, ad- adversary, yeah, adversary, right? Um, it says to do good to those who hate you. That's an action. But then you're supposed to bless them. As they're cursing you, as they're, they're making your life miserable, you know, the, the words off your lips are to, to represent Christ. And if you're caught up in the ways of the world, if you're caught up with that self-preservation, if you're caught up that, you know what, Claire, if you're going to attack me, I'm going to attack you back, you know what, your religion is useless. Why? Because nothing. it doesn't affect your heart. The Spirit is not leading in that. Even just praying for those who spitefully use you. i gonna say I sometimes have a hard time praying for those that that perhaps give me inconveniences in my life. But I do know that as the Spirit changes my heart. It becomes easier. right? And I would never present there that, that, that everybody would be perfect in this, but this is a learning, a learning thing. And as James is rebuking there in verse 26, I'm sure that they had leaders and people sitting in the, the pews going, yeah, I've got this religious thing figured out. And yet they're caught up cursing the people, cursing and, 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 and passing judgments and, and, and all the negative things that the world does. Sometimes we used to call it chirping, chirping and whatnot, um, just like the world. But they didn't have this. They, they don't have this. Their, their religion is, is useless. If you'll notice, again, with your finger, just with this textual observation, chapter three is going to speak all about the tongue. And uh, that should be a, a fun, fun chapter because it's talking about the teachers. If you notice chapter 3 of James, verse 1, My brethren, let not, not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or complete man, able also to bridle the whole body. we going to have a whole section on the tongue, right, on the teacher's. So I mean that's that's one observation as we're working through that. With Bibles open to James chapter 1, and again we're just making observations, verse 27. It says, pure and undefiled religion before God and Father is this. And I really wish there was another word than religion. When I read that word religion, I'm like gone. You know, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking steeples, I'm thinking. Priests, I'm thinking, you know, all the things that, that, that a relationship with Christ and an intimate body of Christ isn't, <laughs> isn't all right? But I mean, back then, they, they, they were a firm unit of the way, Christ followers. This says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. It's kind of what chapter 2 is about. Just observe with me. Come down to 2.15. Right, and he's just outlining this. It says, If a brother and sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are in need of the body, what does it profit? So we're going to address that this morning, that whole visiting the needs of the widows and orphans, or we'll get as far as we can. And then the last thing of verse 27 And I'm impressed that you're still with me. It finishes off there, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That word there you'll see in the notes is at spilios. It means unblemished, without taint or corrupt. And if you look at James chapter 4 with me, James chapter 4, and this is just the outline that James is giving for what he's going to address says, where, verse 1, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet, cannot obtain. You fight and you war, or you battle, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? I racked my brain this week. What does it mean, unspotted from the world? Well, chapter 4 is going to explain it to us. Well, mystery solved. (laughs) We just have to wait till we get there. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's pretty clear. That preaches itself. All right, so so we've got the outline here, and with that being said, let's just step into James chapter two, verse one. As we work our way down through there, let's let's make some observations. Um, we're learning this Sunday night, so let's not just read over it. This says, "My brethren," All right, we understand it's believers. All right, we understand the context of this letter; he's writing to the leaders. Um, I keep calling them apostle ambassadors, those that spent time with Christ, that have these instructions, that are called to to lead the church plant, to lead, to disciple. He says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. This idea of, of picking and choosing. That didn't mean a whole lot to me until I slowed down and read it again. <laughs> so we're going to do that. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. So what are they holding with partiality here as you work through that text yourself? Quite often there, we just think of this as about treating others, right? There, and the poor and the rich and what have you there. But, but what what is it that he is saying, don't hold with partiality. And it's the faith. Don't hold the faith. Well, what is the faith? Because I think of my Sunday school answer the faith is believing in Jesus, right? That's my faith. What I believe. Well, hold on a second. You work through the, the book of Acts, and the faith is the instructions and commands that Jesus gave his people. The faith. Right? These are the, the doctrines that, that are to, to govern us, to lead our lives, that the Spirit uses so that we can not just live pleasing before Him, but that we can be used. Well, that reads a little bit differently now. Right? James is saying to these guys, guys, you can't just pick and choose out of Jesus' commands what to obey. Like, okay, you know what, this one's a little bit more prominent, or this one kind of suits my fancy. No, no, that's not how Christ's law of liberty works. It's there to lead you, to change you, to conform you, so that you can lead and rule for Him. My brethren, do not hold the faith. The instructions, the, the, the principles, the commands that Jesus gave you. Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus, the Lord of glory, with partiality. I almost want to get into that, the Lord of glory, a little bit. Maybe we will just for a second. You'll notice in the, the New King James that the Lord is italicized, right? And that means that the, the translators back in the, the 1500s, whether it's the 30s or, or later on with the 1611, um, they added that in for our understanding. But, but you read that without it, and all of a sudden you find yourself, okay, we have the instructions of commands the, of Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ, of glory with partiality. All of a sudden, he says there, no, you've got the commands, you've got the faith of glory, of Jesus, of glory. Where's Jesus right now? Right hand of the Father. All of a sudden, he takes the authority that, that Jesus gave them those scriptures, and they watched him ascend. Like these men, these apostle ambassadors, Jesus appeared as the resurrected Christ of 500. 1 right? Corinthians 15 speaks to that. He appeared to the 120 that were at the ascension there. He appeared, and they, and they watched him ascend to glory, right? They know he took the right hand of the Father. They know that all rule and reign was given to him. So these commands, there is no partiality. This is not in your realm. These red letters, they are to guide your life. You are to rule by them with no partiality. But this is a rebuke. So apparently, these men were. Apparently, these men were picking and choosing as they, 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 they lived their lives. And we see that in verse 2. James says to them, For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes. My wife was telling me that's how I dress most of the time. She's embarrassed to go grocery shopping with me. Oh, anyway, uh, we'll keep reading. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Right, very, very easy to explain scenario. I want us to notice that, that word assembly uh, at the beginning of verse two, that doesn't necessarily mean a church meeting. You look at the Greek, the Greek says there, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but says, synagogue. I can figure that out. The synagogue. That's how they functioned back in that day. right? That was a place of worship, but it was almost like a community center as well. If you had a problem out in the public or a problem with your neighbor that needed to be settled, guess where you went? The synagogue. You came to the assembly. You came to meet with the elders. You came to meet with your mentors. You came to... Anyhow, it, was, it wasn't just a worship service. So all of a sudden you begin understanding that that back then there was a judgment upon you based on your status, right? based on your appearance, based on what kind of car you drive, based on how you look on the outside or how your beard is trimmed or not trimmed. Thank you. I love you. I'm looking at my wife just in case. Um, But there's a status card. Right? And James is saying, no, that's not how this works. As we study through the, the Gospels, who was it that, that came running with their sick and, and, and hurt and demon-possessed? Who was it that kept running to Jesus? It was the needy. It was the poor. It was the ones in, in poverty. It was the ones that were, were dirty and unkempt and traveled for, for weeks on end. Right? They, they kept running to Jesus and, and I can almost feel James's heartbeat through here going, Guys, you watched Jesus for X amount of years. You never ever saw this. Why are you living this way? Verse 4. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? The idea of looking at, at the, the, the poor man, looking at the, the the needy. We could think of the application for 2022. You know, those with mental illness or struggling through you know addictions or addictions recovery, and be like, "Well, you know what? I'm not really going to get involved with that." You know, that, that's maybe that's maybe they're maybe down there. I, I, I'm not. It, it, it's that's maybe not for me. Verse four speaks directly to that especially when it comes to God's people, especially when it comes to God's leaders, especially when it comes to, to the Spirit leading our hearts, interacting with people. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves when you start picking and choosing who you're going to minister to? Right, picking and choosing based on their status, who's worthy of, 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 of your time, of your money, of your efforts, and become judges with evil thoughts. I think a couple, if we have some different uh, translations, there would be evil reasonings. Your thoughts aren't right. right. But I want to focus here, just in verse 4, just for a second, on and become judges with evil reasonings. Right, these apostles and ambassadors, they were judging for Christ. Because where's Christ? Right hand of the Father. So how does Christ operate today, after the day of Pentecost, uh, on earth i mean he ascended right well it's through the apostles right? it's through the ambassadors and that's continued into the the body of christ the church today so one of the the, the major principles that's missing and i outlined the entire book of acts jesus operating from the throne through peter because it's not just peter acting right it's jesus through peter Right, Full authority through the Spirit, through Paul, through Barnabas, through Silas. There, And it is fascinating because then we ask the question, how is Christ ruling today? It's supposed to be through His church, not just the pastor. Right? It's supposed to be through His church, not just the deacon's board. It's supposed to be through His church, God's people. So we are called to judge. We are messianic judges in a way. We are the, the, the ruling arm of Christ. And you think of, what does that look like today? And it's a little, little alarming. So with that principle, and I think there we, we've grasped that, we're judges, the apostle ambassadors, judges, we're called to be judges. We're not called to do the status card thing. I mean, we didn't read that in Luke 6, did we? At all. all right, no, we're called as the Spirit leads to respond um, to Christ nudging towards these things. So verse 5 says, listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen... I think I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. I am. I want to dwell a little bit more on that word judges. To <laughs> so turn with me back to Luke chapter 6. And I apologize if that frustrates anybody, but uh, it's important, important for us. Luke chapter 6. This idea of judges... And if you'll notice with me in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. I was reading a couple of the old boys, the the different scholars and their writings, and and one of these principles is one of the most misunderstood principles in Christian doctrines, this idea of not judging. Right, Because we live in a day and age where I do me, you do you. Right? You don't judge me for anything. I can think differently. And Neil, Neil and I were, were talking about that Saturday morning. I'm allowed to think however I want. And I'm like, well, yeah, you can. But if it's not according to the word, then you're wrong. <laughs> you know, it's pretty, pretty, pretty simple. Um, but we as the church are called to judge. And unfortunately, there when we approach the, the verses like 37 or Matthew chapter 7 verse 1, we don't understand the context. Because Jesus is training judges to rule in his place. Right? Jesus is almost like training replacements, kind of what I'm trying to do here. Right? There, so that, that I can be removed and go go teach disciples and make counselors, and, and this continues in my place. So when we approach verse 37 and, and thinking of that judges with evil reasonings, you see that verse 37, judge not, you shall not be judged. Well, that doesn't mean judge not at all. Right, it's speaking to judge as Christ would. <laughs> right? It, 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 it's don't judge as the world does. Don't look at the person according to that, that status card. You, you go back through the verses before. It's all about, about giving as the Spirit leads, it's all about blessing your enemy. It's all about, it's just like, don't, don't harden yourself like the Pharisees did. Right? Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Don't judge like the world. Because you're going to stand before Christ one day an answer for that hardness of heart. Right? Even the condemning, right? this idea of passing guilt, and the, the best, way, best way I could figure it is, is like condemn not, don't look at that broken person with a calloused heart, because Jesus never did. Right? Don't look at that person that, that is barely staying afloat in their life, and, you're, and, and, and don't be hard to and saying, no, you deserve that. You got yourself there. Right? Like like, it's like I, I, I'm going I'm to keep you at arm's length. Now, sometimes we have to for protection, and we're learning that as a church family. But Jesus never said, no, no, you go clean yourself up first. Right? And then I'll, I'll, I'll put you back together. Right? There was no condemning. He was like, no, come. Come to me. All right, Come to me there and, and, and believe and, and, we'll, and we'll put some of these pieces back together. And I know myself there, if it wasn't for some of my brokenness, I probably would belong to one of that prideful group that said, no, you get your act together and then you come to church. You get your act together and then we'll welcome you in. All right, don't condemn people. They're not deserving of that life, the world, the taint. Um, one of the phrases there from my schooling, Jesus Cleans his fish after he catches them. Right? And, and you, can't, you can't, with a calloused heart, a judging heart, a condemning heart, introduce them to Christ. Let's say there, because that hardened heart ain't from Christ. That's Satan removing you from the game. And, and I'll, I'll just stop, stop that there. It says, judge not lest you be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. That third point in verse 37 says, Forgive and you will be forgiven. Let's just spend a a second with that. Do we get. Do we have people offend us in this Christian life? (laughs) All the time, right? I mean, that that seems to be the the day and age we live, okay? You're either offended or offending someone, right? Um, Where does that lead us? Probably back to the condemning. Right, in the judging, and we're caught up in the ways of the world, that Christ definitely never ever gave us that example, right? Um, what about mistakes? Do people make mistakes? Do we get hurt as people are making mistakes? Of course they do, right? What about failures? Right, somebody you're pouring, investing, and, and loving, and, just, and, and they continue to fail, right? And you get hurt through that, right? I mean, can we harbor those things? Um, struggles, open sin. Of course. But James, or pardon me, Luke here is just, just, just recording Jesus' words, forgive and you will be forgiven. If you're taking notes, Matthew 18 speaks directly to that. And we don't, we don't have time as much as I, I want to. Just maybe a couple words, don't bother turning there. Matthew 18, um, 21 to 35. Matthew 18 is specifically written to Jesus instructing his apostles on how to judge. It's specifically about about training his judges. And Peter's question in verse 21, um, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. We were there in prayer meeting, we won't go to it. And Jesus goes into a parable that's a very, very serious one. And I challenge you to read that. Uh, But these apostles, these men being trained, Jesus is very clear with it there. You are to forgive. And if you don't forgive, guess what? There's going to be some unforgiveness when you stand before Christ. That's not something that we think about a whole lot, right? This has to do with ministry. This has to do with interacting with people. Verse 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. I'm thinking about how many people in my life recognize that when you just... You're not held by anything. When I say by anything, you're not held by... I'm going to say worldly things, even time restraints there that you know Christ isn't attached to. I remember working through at Bible school there were just things in my life that that didn't need to be there they were draining me from from what christ wanted to do in my life and when i stepped away and i said no and i got rid of those things there was such an overwhelming feeling of liberty freedom now i said okay you know what i'm not bound to those things anymore okay god like what what is next and i mean you're you're ready to go and i think that's what that verse is talking about Right? I will put into your bosom. They're shaken together and running over. will be put in your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And once again, we're back to standing at the judgment seat of Christ and God sees all that we do. The Spirit is to be leading in all that we do. And there will be a time where that, that, that fulfillment, Right, all the things that we gave up, all the things that, that we interacted with, all the things that, that we made sure that, that we were trying to follow Christ's example in those things will be given back. And that's what makes there this, this hope and looking forward such a, an important key thing. And that's not something we can imagine outside of studying Scripture, is it? Right? We need to understand what Christ has given us, what Christ has, has instructed us in. So we pause there for a second, and I'll invite you to turn back to James. And uh, the back side of the notes looks like there's a lot there, but I think we can cover it down through... I'm just trying to draw a close with this. James chapter 2. And we'll maybe just grab four just to, to get our minds back around to the context of here in James. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves? Right? These men, the people in the churches, will include their families among themselves and become judges with evil thoughts. That directly connects to Matthew 18 okay, Luke 37 and 38, okay, these men knew the commands, knew the instructions, they knew how they were supposed to think, and yet they were trying to to, to loopholes around. He says, listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? That's a question, right? As you're thinking through this, has God not chosen the poor of this world, the ones that that, that aren't going to have because they're giving it all to Christ? I'm not saying all is a blanket, but I mean when the Spirit leads, guess what? It's giving to the church, giving to the ministries, it's giving to the missions. It's, It's the poor of this world to be rich in faith. How did we define faith there a little while ago, a couple minutes ago? It's rich in the teachings of Jesus. It's rich in the obedience. It's rich in that, 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 that measure in our bosom of liberty when we go, you know what, Christ, we are giving you our everything. Rich in the faith and heirs of the kingdom. All of a sudden, once again, we're back standing at the judgment seat of Christ. We're back understanding that there's an inheritance, there's a reward, mistos, payment, that we're given when we go without now for christ when we're giving our everything guess what there is a a a a reckoning you know well done my good and faithful servant and we step into the kingdom with this beyond comprehension reward that jesus promises but the last part of that verse five to those who love him If you're taking notes just write john 14 15 if you love me you will Obey my commandments. That's the abiding. That's the fellowship. That's the understanding that, that if I go without now and in obedience and I go through the hardships, guess what? I'm loving Jesus. <laughs> and there is a, an heir, there is an a, a, a inheritance for me. But then he calls them out. Verse 6 and 7. But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not... The rich oppress you and drag you into the courts. Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? And that's about as far as we're going to go this morning. Hopefully you have two Bibles, because I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke 6 one last time. Told you we do a lot of reading. But this overlap, this connection... James isn't just creating these new ideas there as the Spirit leads them. He's bringing us back to this law of liberty. And I want us to read it in the red letters because this is what's supposed to be ruling my life. This is what's supposed to be ruling my marriage. This is what's supposed to be ruling my church. right? The Christians in the church. This is what's supposed to be ruling the community. This is what's supposed to be ruling our Christian nation. Luke chapter 6, just speaking to this dishonoring the poor man. He says, Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts. If you notice there, After the blessed are you poor, verse 20, For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when they hate you and they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Who's doing this? I'm to find out it's the rich, All right? You see the connection? Verse 23, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy when you're going through this, for indeed your reward, mistos, payment, inheritance is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did the prophets. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Jesus says very straightforward, but woe to you who are rich, who are living as the world who are living with that mentality, treating with a status card and, 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 and separating the poor and, and, and the rich and, and having that, that, that horrible mentality. For you have received your consolation. You've received your comfort in this life. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. It doesn't sound like it's going to be a very good place for the believers that act like the world. For the believers that that choose to live and treat people that way. And it happens. I mean, it's all through, and I don't think we need to get too creative imagining that. So with our notes, why is this important? What is the take-home from this? Well, number one, I thought these men watched Jesus as their example. Right? These men that Jesus or James is writing to, they watched. They knew, the same way we have the Gospels to read. right? Jesus as their example, to be the church's example. Christ's ambassadors, leaders of the churches, in the book of James as he's writing, they were failing miserable at this. They were failing miserably. Christ's churches were following, again, failing miserably. And this is where that dead faith that we'll look at next week. And James is rebuking them and holding them accountable. The topic in James chapter 2 is mercy, ministering to desperate crisis, hopelessness, and need. I mean, that's all through. They're not as a status card, right? It's ministering as the spirit. Lead. We watched Jesus do it, um, so this is our example. The ambassadors were failing miserably, and that makes us ask the question how are we doing today as a church? Right, the topic is mercy. Is there desperation around us today? Hopelessness? Um, crisis? Is there a need? I mean, we've we, we got some, mood, <laughs> mood. Got some uh, food together to give out to some different needs. But how are we doing responding to that need today? That's a good indicator of the spiritual temperature. Who is leading our church? Right? Even just being able to identify and be willing to step into those things, that's huge. That'd be another one of the reasons why I don't think the doors to the church should be closed. Right? Because they need to be available to minister to these things. So what is the connection to me when we think about the apostolic judges? And I, and I mentioned it, I just want you to grasp this, that the apostle ambassadors were to judge as Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. But we don't have apostle judges today, do we? We have the church. We are Christ's judges. We are who Christ used to rule and to to not just live by these principles, but to govern ourselves by these principles. And that is supposed to impact our community and, and draw that line. You'll notice, our number one role in this life is to be conformed into Christ's image. Right? We ourselves are to be changed. Okay? We're, we're, we're being conformed. We're being, being sanctified. Um, we're changing. Our number two role is obedience to His leading and authority. Right? As we're being changed, guess what? We're called to be used by Him. There's no such thing as sneaking in here for half hour on Sundays and sneaking out. That's not what we're called to, and there's going to be repercussion for that, and our number three role is allowing ourselves to be prepared for the kingdom. Right? And we just we, we saw that in James. This idea of being poor in this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom. Right? We're being prepared. We're being trained. If we're seeking to live faithfully, guess what? We're going to find ourselves in that place and position in the kingdom. So I just want to close, and I've said that word two other times. I apologize for that. Let me connect this with you, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll be done. On time. I'm sure Edward can shorten it a couple minutes with his computer if he has to. (laughs) I just want to, we are judges. Christ is to be ruling through us. There's no such thing as complacency, and I find that horrific when we can barely scrape together Sunday school teachers. Right, the idea that the church is ruling believers as the body of Christ are supposed to be the advocates of everything that is true and perfect and genuine and pure. First Corinthians chapter six. I want to go back further, but we don't have time. Anyway, let's just pick it up in six. Um, context here: Christians in the church are going to the, the courts of the law. and and relying on the unsaved world to judge their personal problems, their financial problems. And Paul's like, how does that make any sense? Why would you go to the world that that doesn't even believe that there is a God to handle your problems in the church? Right, it doesn't make sense. Why would we trust a government that won't acknowledge God to look after our spiritual welfare? Does that make sense? No, not at all. Verse 1, dare any of you having the matter against another... Go to law, unsaved law, world law, before the unrighteous and not before the saints. Verse 2, recognize this, mark this in your Bibles. Do you not know, talking to believers, that the saints will, what's it say? Judge the world. There is coming a time, right, because we understand that's future. The saints will, it's future, will judge the world. Well, where, when do you think this is talking of? in the kingdom right there is a place where the born-again believers when we are either raptured or or absent from the body present with the lord and the seven-year tribulation and the christ returns with the saints there is a a time there's that place and position where the believers in the body of christ now will rule for christ we will judge the world the only problem is i'm going to say over the course of history they just assume that everyone will And I know there are a lot of believers in my life that can't even judge their own lives. Right? Can't even lead their own families. Christ isn't going to. Now, hold on. I'm not going to tell God what to do. But there has to be ranks. There has to be at the judgment seat. There has to be a determining of worthiness for place and position. And that's based on how you live in obedience now. All right? So I'm going to let that sink in. Let's just finish these couple verses And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Verse 3. Do you not know that we shall, future, what's it say? Judge angels. Okay, all of a sudden there, we're over the spiritual realm when? In the kingdom of God, that thousand-year messianic kingdom. That is powerful stuff there. Just to finish that verse, how much more th- things that pertain to this life? He's saying, you know what? We have that governing authority, that place and position in the kingdom. Like, and, and I say place and position. Not everyone's going to find themselves there. That's all the, the results of the judgment seat. But if that's, that's what God's going to expect of us then, how much more to look after the church now? or How much more to be judging by the law, liberty, and the, the direction of Christ now? if people don't give a rip about this now churches don't, don't care about this now care, churches can't even bother to, to, to even study through what Jesus expects of us I personally can't see as I study that they're going to find themselves in that place and position of ruling the world ruling over angels and that's a whole other study so how, how does this apply how is what James is saying it applies to us because we are called to judge for Christ Rule for Christ now. And it will affect our then. It will affect our place, position, inheritance in the kingdom. Not to mention people desperately need us to step up, especially in today's day and age, especially today, and face the hopelessness that's out there. We have the message of hope. We have that, 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 when we're living right, we have that, measure and, 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 and rolled up and put in my bosom we have that that people need and that's what the church is supposed to be doing during times like these dearly father lord i pray that these uh, principles these truths these eschatological connections would find their way into our hearts and minds uh, lord now is not the time to slumber lord if there was ever a time where i I, with all my heart, believe that you are trying to give your people a wake-up call. It's today. Lord, and when I think of just how desperately people around us need, and Lord, I don't have the answers. I I talk to people that are are hopeless and broken, and yet they they leave saying, I don't need you right now. I don't understand that. Lord, we have people that drive by the church. We have people that, that used to come here. Lord, we have people that that know who you are. And yet they won't turn. But Lord, if there's ever a time where we need to wake up, we need to be your church, we need to face the adversary. Yes, we need to guard our tongue. Yes, we need to, to love and lend and give. But Lord, we need to, to represent you. And the time, time is not now to hide. Time now is not to, to go into some sort of of lockdown that includes our spiritual walks. Lord, it's not now. We have so many different ways of reaching out. And Lord, I just pray that you would take these principles, you would light a fire under us, and that we would be very sensitive to to what your spirit wants to do. Lord, I pray for protection. I think of our youth, I think of our kids club, or I think of just the the different things that, that we're actively engaged in. Lord, and I pray that over the course of these three weeks, that we would be very discerning, wise, but, Lord, obedient. And, Lord, that you would lead us in what it is that, that you want us to, to engage in. And, Lord, I, I thank you that there's these verses. I pray that we would go back over this material and we would prepare our hearts for next week. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.